for me to uh, introduce some friends of ours. Bob and Gwen Vodder, would you please stand? Yeah. <laughs> Bob and Gwen Vodder are friends of ours from Southern California, and they live in Urington now for the past 30-some years. Um, I think they were in... Uh, I know Gwen was in the nursery when our, little, our kids were little, and she was watching them in the nursery. And uh, it's just such a joy to have you here this morning. Glad for you, and thanks so much. Yeah. can't pass up old friends like that and it's just uh such a joy to see them okay uh the children are in here uh no children's church so i get to say children pay attention here we go now would you please grow up even you little babies you grow up now what this is a lead-in to the message right not just me ranting along here. Um, I know it's uh, maybe a little bit of a stretch that we've been in such a small letter for so long. <laughs> but we are uh, having our final message here in First Thessalonians. And uh, it really boils down to this. In closing, are you growing? Uh, we started this little series by mentioning that this group of folks at Thessalonica had been changed by the gospel. And that's really what it comes back to for you and I. If you're saying, I'm a Christian, have you really been changed by the gospel? That's the standard that we need to go by. Now, when I come as pastor and say grow up as Christians a lot of times what happens is we end up thinking oh well yeah I better snap too and grow up in the faith and we've got some verses here to unpack that show us really it's not just about uh, pastors or church leaders or church systems of thought and belief and philosophy you know Pushing everyone, you better grow, you better grow, and you you get with it. If you don't grow, you're in trouble with God. And we put an emphasis where? It's kind of on you and me to, we better perform. Now, this business of growing is for Christians. That's what I'm talking about. If you're a Christian... Most of you, you know and you understand what I'm getting at here is you and I are to grow in the faith. And as Paul comes to uh, wrap up this letter, he's, he's really just saying, you know, um, w- when you were saved, just like he's, he's telling the, the believers here at Thessalonica, if you haven't already turned there in your Bible, please turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He's saying that God has given his full warranty to see that you grow up in the faith. God has given the full warranty. All right? So we, we have to get that understood. Because I, I talked about it in our Sunday school class this morning. There's a great tendency for all of us who say we're believers, to put that burden on ourselves. We better do it. And we better, you know, 
come to grips with that and, and show that we, we earn it, you know, we, we got to get it that way, you know? Grow up. But it's more than, than uh, what meets the eye here. So what we want to do is look at this final section of Scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Follow along with me at verse 23. Verse 23 says, Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read by all the brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Heavenly Father, we we bow here at this moment. And we know that you are the author of this word of God. your, Your holy scriptures, the Bible. I pray that we would have hearts that are hungry, humble, and ready to receive your word. We need for you to speak to us, O Lord. Um, I want to ask that you intervene here at this time and, and lead us in your wonderful way and for your wonderful will uh, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, here we are being called to grow at the close of this letter. And I want us to remember it's about what God has done So we start with, number one, start with and submit to his procedures. It's about his procedures. Growth in the Christian faith is about what God will do, what God will perform in you. And a lot of times people think that it's it's, um, self-generated, that wow, so and so is really spiritual and look what they've done in their life. But for those that understand the, the flow of Scripture, you understand, no, that's, it's not their doing. It's God's doing in their life. And so that's one of the things that we're dealing with. It starts with, and we need to submit to His procedures. Verses 23 and 24. Now, may the God of peace Himself sanctify you entirely. So, here's the prerequisite. It starts with the prerequisite, and that is, it's... Here's, it's just a simple prayer. It's not anything profound. It's a simple prayer. But notice where it starts is with the God of peace. And we have to understand that in terms of what the Bible says about God being the God of peace. It points us to his work of reconciliation. What he started. What he accomplished. His work of reconciliation. That means where there's two parties that are not reconciled and they are reconciled and the result of the reconciliation the being brought together is peace and so romans 5 1 says that we have been uh, therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with god so that work of justification did you have anything to do with that christian anyone (laughs) no you didn't That was God's work. And God first loved us so that this 
being reconciled is, is brought together by God. Okay? And so it's only meaningful to those who have been reconciled to God. What is this business of God being the God of peace? If there's a person that hasn't come to faith in Christ, they have no peace. They have no peace according to God's standard. And so it starts there. That's the prerequisite. You, you must be born again and you must come to faith in Christ so that God will justify you, declare you righteous. And now the Bible says there's peace with God. There's peace with God. So the Bible tells us he's the God of peace. In Acts, it tells, I'm sorry, in uh, Ephesians, sorry. In Ephesians, it says that, that it's the gospel of peace. And that we know that Jesus is the prince of peace and he gives peace. John 14, 27 and John 16, 33. And we've seen that little bumper sticker, no peace, no peace, no God. No peace, no God. No God, no peace. <laughs> now I got you mixed up. So, it starts there. That's the prerequisite. Are you born again? Do you know God? If you know God through faith in Christ, faith alone in Christ alone, then you have peace with God. Okay? So that's the prerequisite. Nice and easy. You can dive into that pool more and swim around there and study that more about God's peace. But that's all we need to say right now. That's the prerequisite. And now, letter B is the production. It's God's work. God's the, the producer in it all. He's bringing it about. It's God's work in sanctifying His children. We've talked about sanctifying before. Sanctifying is to set apart, to separate, to make or uh, to set apart for God. To make holy. You're separated from sin to holiness. From sin to service. And here in this simple prayer, he's just, may the God of peace sanctify you completely, through and through. Not just a mental thing that you mentally assent to and say, yeah, okay, I got peace with God. And now I I know I I need to grow in holiness and Christ-likeness. Well, he's, he's saying through and through. And we'll cover that here in just a little bit. But let's just dwell a little bit on this business of sanctify, being set apart. And the Bible tells us that, you know, here's, here's this work of sanctification. It's God's work. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a what? A good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. It's his work. So we, we could break down this sanctification topic in three areas. Positional sanctification. That's what God's done in justification. Now you're blameless. You're holy and blameless. That's your position. Positional sanctification. Then practical sanctification. Is that, here it is, working out. The result of, of not just being in Christ, the positional, but now the result of cooperating with God, working with God, what, responding to what God's doing, what God has stated in His Word. It's participating in obedience. It's motivated by, oh, I want more favor? No, it's motivated by grace. 
Is sanctification important for you? A lot of times we just figure, hey, I'm saved. He got me in. I'm in. No, you're here and God wants to grow you. Then finally, is just is the positional, the practical, and then the perfect sanctification. That day when we will be glorified in glorified bodies with our Savior. Okay? So, and that's simply the perfect sanctification is the result of promotion. You're promoted from this earth to heaven. Hallelujah! <laughs> okay? So... That's the aspect of sanctification. God's, God's brought that about. God's going to accomplish it. The question is, what are you doing in response to it? And how are you going about that? We notice now in, in point number C under number one is it's with his power. It's about his power. It's with his power. Okay? And he says... In verse 23, may the God of peace himself, that's an emphasis, by the way, a clear emphasis, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and now he gives a little detail of it, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved, kept, complete. There's the issue of power. He's going to bring it about. The, the verb is in the passive voice in the Greek. So it's not us. It's God who's to be responsible. It's God's work. And he, to keep or to preserve means to guard or to keep safe. And he wants to do this so that there will be no cause for complaint. No cause that can be raised up against you. It means the, the word without blame means to be acquitted. No one's going to bring any charge against you. Satan tries. Satan is the accuser. Satan will keep trying. Say, look at what so-and-so did. Jesus has covered that person in, with his blood. If they're saved, that's the idea. So, what's the point of this now, this extent of God's work? And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. Well, what's that getting at? That um, Some people have this view of... Uh, it, it's the difference between trichotomy and, um, and dichotomy. The, just saying, here's the, the issue of what you're all about. You know, are, uh, are we made up of just body and soul? Or spirit, soul, and body? Three parts. So it's an interesting uh, little dilemma, uh, material and immaterial, or body, spirit, and soul. So um, we're not going to go into it in a deep way. Some, some would uh, argue that it's just, you know, Paul uh, says it here for extra effort, extra emphasis. In other words, holy through and through that God would sanctify you. And God would keep you. And then if you look at scripture in other references, there's a lot of reference to just, here's material and immaterial, body and soul. Or the word being used interchangeably, body and spirit. 
the ones that look at it as a view of, here's a, a three-part chemistry of your life, meaning body, soul, and spirit, say, well, here's the body, that's evident. The spirit is that part that gives us the capacity to know God. And then the soul is your personality. So it's, you know, to me, it's, uh, it's not a, uh, a matter of a big issue, but I just wanted to make mention of it and have you understand, Paul's point, I really believe, is that God's going to renovate the whole man in all his parts. And if you go with uh, the dichotomy, great. If you go with the trichotomy, great. The question is, are you being sanctified? Are you cooperating in that regard with what God's doing, what God's accomplishing? Thomas Watson, a Puritan uh, scholar... Thomas Watson said this, sanctification is a principle of grace. That's a great statement. It's not a principle of your effort. First and foremost, it's a principle of grace, whereby the person's heart becomes holy and is made after Christ's own heart. A sanctified person bears not only God's name, but his image. Isn't that interesting? Not that you're just bearing the name of God, the name of Jesus, but you're bearing his image as you grow in Christ-likeness. So, it comes from, uh, here's God's production, here's the power that He supplies, that He promises, and then the the final one, letter D, His promise. It's a doubly emphasized uh, statement here. Look at verse 24. Faithful is He who calls you, and He also will bring it to pass. So, faithful is is the one who calls you. That's his very character. Okay? That's God's very character. He's faithful. And then he he is the one who indeed will surely do it. There's his commitment to you. He's going to do it. He's promised that. You say, well, okay, I guess I just sit back and wait. You're you're telling me that God does the work. God's brought it about, right? Just sit back and wait. (laughs) Well, it doesn't stop there. (laughs) Go on to number two in your outline. Number two is we identify and implement, we identify and implement his provisions. It's like he gave you the toolbox. He gave it. And now you have to identify the pieces and then implement it in your life. And if you don't, now you're not cooperating with his work. And every Christian has received, if I could call it, the toolbox. Every Christian has. It's not that, oh, well, Jack Beach, you didn't quite get all the the tools. Sorry, brother. Or, you know... Who, no, everyone got the same tools for sanctification. We start with letter A. The all-purpose tool of prayer. Simple. It's, but it's all-purpose. I love it. It doesn't require certain times. It doesn't require certain conditions. Or whatever. No, pray at all times. I want to... Um, I know he's not here now. I don't think he's here. But I want to commend Dale White to you folks 
in what he did. If you weren't there Wednesday or Thursday night, you missed out on a wonderfully uh, led prayer service for the issue of Boy Scouts and what, you know, what we do. It was led by, here, here's a piece of paper that he gave us, and here's the, here's the tracking of it. Uh, here, here's, we're going to start with the, the little acrostic acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. That simple form with scripture underneath each one. And it was, it was a great, great time of prayer. Your mind wasn't really allowed to wander. You, you just kept tracking along with this worksheet and, and tracking along for, for prayer purposes. And afterwards it was like, yeah, that was really good. And so prayer is an all-purpose tool. And here in verse 25, look at verse 25. Oh, it says, brethren, pray for us. Especially it's in regards to leadership. Pray for the leaders. That's what he's saying here. But we know that prayer is a privilege that can go in all directions. And it doesn't have any time restraints on it. You know, we pray a lot for each other regarding physical needs. Issues about, you know, problems of... Uh, you know, but here in the scriptures, we know that it's more than just physical needs. It's physical and spiritual well-being. And that's what we want to re- remind each other of praying for, you know, our physical issues, problems, hospital issues, you know, all that. But also for spiritual concern that you and I would grow to understand, you know, I, I want to follow what the, the passage says in Colossians chapter one, that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will. That's a prayer. That's not just a verse in the Bible. That's a prayer that you pray for your children. God, help them be filled with the knowledge of your will. How do you help that happen? Got to be in the word. That's where you find out about his will. So be a a family that is rich in reading the word of God. (laughs) So, the all-purpose tool of prayer. Also, to be praying for the, the, pro, uh, the proclaiming of the gospel and for open doors for boldness. Th- those are things that Paul asked for prayer for. You know, pray that we'd have boldness in presenting the gospel. Letter B. Here's another one. The all-weather bond of unity. Verse 26. How do you get the all-purpose, I'm sorry, the all-weather bond of unity out of greet all the brethren with a holy kiss? Okay, well, it was either this or have my wife come up and never mind. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Well, come on, here we go. In a general statement, generally speaking, it's about greet one another with a holy kiss. So before you leave today, I'm not going to say it, but what I will say is this. It's about our unity. It's about that we are displaying our unity with the, you know, as believers. Do we display that? And we understand, you know, it's, it's obviously about in our day and age, we, with wisdom, we say, hey, this has got to be done with an appropriate spirit if we're going to do it. 
It's got to be done appropriately. But really, even more importantly, what it shows forth is the difference between Eastern thought and Western thought. You follow that? I would venture to say if we went to Krasnodar and we would go there, we would find people kissing one another in churches. Okay? So Brennan and I will demonstrate. No, it's just a kiss on the cheek. That's all he's talking about. A holy kiss. Greet one another. Show the unity of the Spirit. And it's, I say, it's the all-weather bond of unity. Why? Because no matter what we're facing, weather-wise, storm-wise, trouble-wise, we can still show, you know what? There's unity in Christ. There's unity in Christ. It really, digging a little deeper... Where has our genuine, welcoming, warm greeting approach gone? Do we do that? Do we look forward to opportunities here on a Sunday morning to show that? Not to show it off, but to demonstrate it. We see a new person come in through the doors and they're kind of looking around. You know, you know they're new. Get to them. Welcome them. Show, here's, here's what is in our hearts, our, our, our welcoming spirit. And I'll say, you know, there's, there's times in the life of our church where we aren't as welcoming. We aren't really, maybe we are, but we're not looking for it like we oughta. I want to encourage us in this regard. Okay? A genuine welcome. Greeting the brothers and sisters in showing the all-weather bond of unity. Let us see. He goes on in verse 27. I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. So this is a charge. Let us see. Number two, let us see. The ever-shining light of truth. The ever-shining light that you need, you know, you pull it out of that toolbox and it's, it's always going to come on. It's, it's there. It's shining in the, cor- in the dark corners. It's shining light so that we can read, so that we can see. There's the Word of God, the ministry of the Word of God. We need that light to shine in a dark place. And we believers, uh, I'm sorry, we as leadership, we are charged with making sure, you know, that we not forget the issue of the public reading of Scripture. And here, the the group at Thessalonica was charged to have this letter read to all the brethren. Meaning, here's here's, here's God's word, this epistle, this letter that we need to have read. We've tried to do that in reading different sections, you know, and that needs to keep happening. And just put a note down, Nehemiah chapter 8, Nehemiah chapter 8, 1 through 12, and and read that and look what happens when Ezra read the book of the law. Oh, wow. What a response from the people. The one that is devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. Okay, so here's what we need to identify and implement. 
regarding his provisions. Here's the all-purpose tool of prayer, the all-weather bond of unity, the ever-shining light of truth, and letter D, the ever-ready power pack of grace. It's got to be viewed that way. I like this. Uh, uh, this I, I didn't grow up with this, it, it, you know, as a young boy. But now um, you can go out and get your your cordless power tools. Ooh. Yeah, Tim the Tool Man. I'm not. Well, maybe I am. If you really, anyway. The the issue of those those battery packs that you put in. And you can go everywhere and drill holes. You can go everywhere and cut off fence. You can go everywhere because you got the power pack. And that's the idea with grace. Don't just say you are saved by grace. It's to be spread throughout all your life. You're to live by grace today. And so it's about God's children as God's children, this is what we live by now. That's what he says. Verse 28, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So there's a little bit of repetition for Sunday school, but we're saved by grace. We live by grace. This was for our conversion and it's for our conduct. We are sanctified and made holy by His grace. His grace is all sufficient. His grace is all encompassing. We live by this grace so that Jesus Christ may be magnified, exalted and honored in our lives. Where sin, what? Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Grace abounded. Are you having trouble with sin in your life? Are you having trouble um, with, you know, just... Your thoughts going every which way that's not the right way? Are you, are you struggling with certain problems of sin? You know, do business with God. God's given us so many things. And that's what I'm trying to say. Here's, here's this toolbox, so to speak, that he's given us so that we can now grow. The way he has called us to grow. You struggle with doubt. You struggle with depression. You struggle with streaks of anger. What are you struggling with? And you and I think God can't do something about it? Oh, you of little faith. Oh, me of little faith. And what's continuing to hit all the while. What keeps hitting? I, I got uh, into the office this morning early and I kept thinking, I'm hearing something out there. I'm hearing, what am I hearing out there? I thought it was a leak or you know, bad sprinkler head or something. But that's the idea, is that we would hear this wave of grace keep coming at you as a believer. It's not about you climbing up that ladder It's about you responding to His grace and yielding and surrendering to His grace in your life. So we live by this grace so that Jesus Christ might be magnified and exalted and honored. And it's to the praise of what? His glorious grace is what Ephesians tells us. Grace Look, everyone look here. Look here at me, please. 
Grace overcomes your worst failure. Grace overcomes your worst disappointments. You have a, you say, oh, you just don't understand what kind of sin I fell into. Uh, God could never uh, forgive me. Those kind of things. You don't understand grace. You don't understand Jesus Christ. Grace overcomes our most desperate situation, circumstance. Immediately? No. Immediately? Yes. It's both. In your your trial, in the moment of your dark trial, you think God's got to come and rescue you. No, He wants you to endure so that your faith would be built up, so that you turn and say, to the praise of His glorious grace. That's what they're there for. But all too often, now, yeah, I know, humanly speaking, there are situations where I, I, sh- I throw up my hands and shake my head and sometimes it, it, you, you cry. Sometimes you get upset and angry. Hey, that's okay. But don't stay there. Ask God for His help to realize that His grace overcomes these very situations. Okay, so we need to emphasize grace in our lives. And here's how. In closing, number three, in closing, this is really, here's God's prescription, specific prescription for growth. Okay? He's, he's given us the procedures that He is in charge of, that He'll do, and then we've been given the provisions that we need to identify and then implement. And here's, here's the actual prescription. You know, there's two that say participate and two that say anticipate. And this is obviously from the book of 1 Thessalonians as we close it up, as we kind of move on. So participate in your personal training that God's given us. You've got personal training that you need to be a part of. Uh, Brennan meets, uh, Pastor Brennan meets with some guys and, and he, he works out with them, trains, does all that crazy burpee stuff. And that's, I, it's like, great. Go for it. Good training. Physical training. <laughs> but see, not all of us are there, right? Uh, we haven't met with those guys, have we? We haven't all signed up, you know, for the list to be there. But you know what? You need to sign up for and be there with the business of your personal training with God. God wants to develop muscles of faith in your life so that we would learn through faith to maximize Jesus in you who is the hope of glory. Okay? To make much of Jesus as we go through today. All you have is today, my friend. You don't have Monday yet. You got today. So make much of Jesus today in your thoughts, in your conversations, in your actions. John 3.30 says what? He must 
increase. We, or I, must decrease. That's what John the Baptist said. So it's for the, it's purposely exercising faith, love, thanks and praise, purposely exercising humility. Why? Humility, we humble ourselves, James chapter 4, humble yourselves therefore, and what? God gives grace to the humble. That's the, that's the reason for that exercise in humility. God gives grace. And just acts of kindness. You know, there's so many people here who practice random acts of kindness. I love hearing of that. I love seeing that. And this is a part of your exercise, your personal training. The idea is in this participate in his personal training for you is just don't be a spectator. Don't just sit and be a spectator. Participate in it. Okay? Then letter B, another participate, is in the team bodybuilding. Now we go to team bodybuilding. You and I were saved as a part of the body of Christ. Not just for your good pleasure and your peace of mind. No, it's... He, he ransomed... He, he shed his blood and, and gave a ransom for the body of believers. So get in, get used to that. Be in body life. Um, Matthew Bassham is starting a small group. If you're not in one, go Friday night, seven o'clock, seven seven thirty. I think it's in the bullet. There's an opportunity for body life there. Sunday school classes. Body life. Okay? Um, other small home Bible study groups. Some of you are involved in a women's Bible study, men's Bible There's where body life ought to happen. Not simply for learning more Bible knowledge, but to connect with people so that you can help meet their needs or they help you in serving you. Body life. Serve one another. We already said it. Greet one another. Serve one another. Encourage one another. Love one another. Prefer one another. All the one another's. You and I work on those. Bodybuilding. When you do it, someone else is watching you. You don't even know if they're watching you. And they see you doing it. Wow, that was really encouraging. Body life. Show it. Do it. We're growing in grace as we do those kind of things. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's team bodybuilding. Number three, letter C, anticipate his return. This is what Thessalonians has said. Every chapter, anticipate his return. Letter D, anticipate growth. That's what we've been talking about. Anticipate what God will do in growing you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Are you growing in grace? I hope that you have been enriched in our study. I know it's gone over a long period of time. But the idea is that we take what we learn. God, help us 
to apply it and put it into action, put it into practice. We will be having numerous missionaries through the summertime here at Parkside Bible Fellowship. And in between, uh, we will be doing uh, messages regarding uh, discipling and discipleship and encouragement in this way. So um, I know there's a lot of folks that get to traveling during the summertime, and uh, we understand that, but we look forward to being with each other, uh, whether it's greeting one another with a holy kiss or uh, greeting one another with a holy hug uh, or a holy handshake or a high five or a knuckle. I greeted Nancy Crawford with a, a reverse this morning in the foyer. I thought I was going to knock her over. That would have been very embarrassing. She managed to hang on to her walker without me backing into her and knocking her over. Um, appreciate your prayers uh, for our daughter-in-law, Kimberly. Our daughter-in-law, Kimberly, hopefully is... Uh, going to be giving birth to our first granddaughter here today or tomorrow. We don't know. If it's tomorrow, they induce labor. And uh, so one way or the other, uh, little Ellery Sarah will be, uh, will be born. We're excited for them. I know that's a, a kind of a selfish step right there, but I just wanted to let you know. Grip, yes. Let's pray. Lord, may we be even more excited about you and your kingdom and about people becoming new in Christ, new in, in Jesus, alive in Jesus. Lord, we are a, a strange bunch uh, as sheep we need your help to stay on track with eating properly, resting properly, and following properly. May we be close at the heels of the Good Shepherd and listening to his voice calling. Lord, we pray that we would be of great encouragement to one another. Thank you for the study in First Thessalonians. And may we be anticipating your return today. That you would come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.